Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Ashley Merrill, the founder of Lunia. Ashley has always felt the urge to pursue as many things as she can during this lifetime. It was the perfect opportunity then to try a new venture when she realized she was relying on her husband's old t-shirts as her go-to during downtime. Wanting something more stylish, comfortable, and a reflection of the contemporary woman she is, Ashley founded Lunia, the restwear brand whose ethos maintains that the quiet moments to yourself are the most important part of the day. Take a listen. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So let's go to your beginnings of your company. Um, I'd love for you to start what kind of gave you the idea to launch and then we'll get into where you are today. Sure. Well, um, I definitely didn't set out to start a company. (laughs) We'll put it this way. Um, I was definitely looking for a more passionate entrepreneurial phase of my life, but didn't necessarily know if that meant me, it would be me starting something or me joining something. So I was kind of flexible at that point. And actually sleepwear really evolved from a a personal experience, realizing that, that I was wearing my husband's old clothes around the house. And eventually, you know, I I had this moment, we kind of jokingly call it, it's been immortalized as the moment in the mirror, but where I looked at myself and I was wearing all of my husband's horrifying old clothes and realized, gosh, there's got to be something better. And again, I didn't set out to start a company. I set out to buy something a little more comfortable, a little cuter, a little better to wear around the house that I could feel like more of my best self in and, and just could not find anything. And so that's how it started. And for many years after I had that realization, I did nothing with that. <laughs> I just thought, this is really cool. Someone should solve this problem. And I figured there was a thousand people out there that would be better at solving that problem than me. And so what ended up actually happening was in September of 2012, I got pregnant and I realized, oh my goodness, I think this is an hour never moment. Like my life is never going to be easier than it is right now. I'm about to add another human into this equation and the stakes changed. So instead of being afraid of doing this and failing, I began to be afraid of not doing this and having to tell my kids that I didn't do the things that I dreamed of because I was afraid of failure and that felt worse. So interestingly, it wasn't like I had the idea and immediately jumped in and said, fabulous, I'm going to do this. It was much more of, you know, this evolution where I began to realize that taking a risk was the right thing to do. First, I want to say as someone who comes home and is the first person to like look as awful as possible in (laughs) sweatpants and sweatshirts and now add pregnancy to that. And I'm like wow, my husband really is patient because I look like I'm homeless, basically. I I can help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So thank you for what you're doing for women. So when you made that jump, when you said, okay, this wasn't immediate, you took the time to think about it, and then you took the plunge, how did you know you wanted to do it for yourself versus go work for a company, have something safe, uh, and yeah. Well, I was coming out of something safe. So, you know, 
I had, so if we actually zoom back in history before this moment, I, uh, I graduated from college. I was a liberal arts major, which means, you know, I was not set up for any job very well. <laughs> and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went and got a culinary degree for six months because I was passionate about cooking. And this is a little bit of a longer story, but I, I um, thought maybe that would be the direction I would go. And then I realized that that lifestyle wise was going to be a little tricky because cooking professionally ends up being a lot of weekends and, and nights. And that was going to be hard for a family life and all of that. So I, so I ended up pivoting out of that. And then I went into venture because I was always very passionate about business. I just didn't know how to seat myself into business. And what I mean by being passionate about business, because that sounds like something almost too broad to say, is I love problem solving and strategy. I love entrepreneurial mindsets. I love people that see problems and think, I can fix that. I was always inspired. My dad was like that. Just, you know, my mom too, in a different way, but they're, they're you know, more visionary people, people that saw things as opportunities instead of as problems. And I love being around that and, and wanted to integrate myself in that in some way, but I wasn't sure how. And so venture felt kind of like an avenue into it. I didn't have a very attractive resume. I got the venture company to hire me for free. This was back in the days where you could take a job for free. So I went to school and and then worked for them for free for three months. And I had told them if I'm working for three months and you think I'm great, you you know, hire me. And if you don't think I'm great, well, thank you very much for the experience. And that was the plan. And then they did end up hiring me. And so I got some experience there. And then I quickly realized I was maybe sitting on the wrong side of the table. And so I, after about a year there, I went to work at an online media company and, and that leveraged the VC experience, but, you know, online was blowing up at the time. And so I got a lot of new experience there. And, and long story short, I got an entrepreneurial opportunity there. They needed to have a women's website destination and we couldn't afford one. And so my boss turned to me and said, Ashley, do you want to figure this out? And I said, yeah, okay, let me do that. And I approached it like it was my own baby. So my first entrepreneurial experience was inside a bigger company. And I got to build this website called Momtastic, which is you know, very cool that it's still alive today. And um, I learned so many amazing lessons about brand and target audience and user acquisition and all these things, which I can't even tell you how grateful I am for that experience. And after doing that for a while, I was, I kind of felt like I had learned what I needed to learn. I had been at that company for four-ish years and felt like I was just ready for something new. I had a stable job there. And what new, what felt appealing to me was, okay, now I want to go build something or work on building something that resonates with me on a deeper level. I wasn't even a mom at the time I built Momtastic. So it wasn't like it was connecting with me personally. So I ended up going to business school thinking maybe I'll meet someone there, a partner, and we'll join up and they'll be tech and I, I'm good at brand and marketing and we can make something. And so I didn't, like I said, I just kind of went in with no real exact plan, but I knew that I was leaving the stable situation for something that was going to be a little bit more of a risk. And then it did end up being that I launched my own thing. But some of that just came down to the fact that I had the right idea at the right time. And it wasn't like there was something else that was jumping out at me at that moment. 
So do you ever ask yourself, be careful what you wish for? Like you like problem solving, you like entrepreneurial. Now you're faced with the building of a brand and all of the fun problems <laughs> that come oh, with it. Oh my God. Yeah. So what was that first shock that you're like, oh, I, I like solving problems, but like, oh shit, I didn't anticipate this type of problem. People leadership is even to this day, the hardest part in my opinion, it, 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 I'm still problem, problem solving is, is my magic sauce, you know, put me in there. I'm, there's this test called the high five. I don't know if you've heard of that the personality test. I took the high five and I'm a number one catalyst. So I'm great for starting something new, solving problems. I always say, if I can't break something, I'm not really interested in it at all. And so for me, that has always been the great part. Some of the unintended challenges of starting a business. They've been vast, by the way, and they never stop. Um, but the people stuff is really the hardest. Uh, it's on one hand, you know, you they're the best part. You form these deep bonds with people. You're overcoming challenges together. You're shoulder to shoulder. It's amazing. Uh, you get the best of them. And then you also get the worst of them. And they get the worst of you and the best of you. You know, we're human. Just like the innate humanness of the whole thing is shocking to me still to this day. You know, you're just managing emotions and feelings and trying to run a business. And sometimes those things run in the same direction and sometimes they don't. And so, you know, and sometimes somebody is perfect for you for a while and then what they need and what you need change. And then you have to go in different directions. And, you know, as I've become a better leader over time, I've been more successful at, you know, kind of articulating that and trying to help have people in the company and planning ahead for that. But I will tell you that is that is the hardest. It's the hardest. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know we could we could do a whole I could do a whole I could. Oh, so many things to say about that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's lots of other challenges. Like, you know, operations is not my strength. And definitely a huge, you know, problem to solve for a company, logistics, back end technology, customer experience, and all the ways that manifests. I mean, I could list this stuff out to you for days of the challenges I have. But I, I think people is just still the hardest. I think it is because as a founder, you have a passion, you know, like we'll work all night and all day if we have yes. to. And then you meet these people that are in and out or have different ambitions or, you know, sadly, the only way that they can get more money is to leave. And, right. you know, it, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's like a very dysfunctional family, oh, <laughs> that, it is. you know, you, you weren't born into and can't control. And I think that's totally. the, that can be so hard sometimes for a founder to stomach. Like when my first employee quit, I felt like I was, I felt like I was betrayed and I wouldn't speak to her. And it took me a long time to get mature enough to be like, congratulations. Yes. That's awesome. It's not a betrayal, yes. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I had a really great mentor tell me one time that I needed to change my thinking. I needed to think about it as alumni. And I really like this was pivotal for me. He said, you know, not everyone is going to be with you forever, both by your choosing and by their choosing. But these people are going to go out into the world and they're going to use what they learned with you. And they're going to be, it's almost like you're spreading, you know, little pieces of 
your ethos, you know, your, your values and whatnot around through these people, these people begin to be, um, they're so they're going to be impacted and influenced by what you do, whether they're with you forever or not. And so what if instead of focusing on, oh, these people need to be with me forever, you instead focus on, I hope that I helped make these people's journeys better in some way, because everybody's on our own path. And how am I elevating their path? And then how are they elevating ours? And if you're all both kind of focusing on giving and enhancing the other, that theoretically in a most mature situation, you could look at a departure in that way too, which is like, I'm so grateful for what you gave us. And I hope you feel like you got a lot out of us too. And, you know, I'm, I'm in your corner now in your next chapter. And, and that was just, that was huge. Unfortunately, I didn't have that mentor until like seven years in, but, he, but when he came along, it was perfect. It was, I was ready for it, you know? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So let's transition a bit into loungewear and the and the growth of the business. I know a lot of businesses were not ready for COVID, but I feel like loungewear got a bump during this time because we all wanted something, but we didn't want the holy sweatshirt. Like I was like, yes. oh, I gotta I gotta be stylish at home. So I'd love to hear how you approach the pandemic and and what business was like for you. Yeah. I mean, I think one way to do it is also to think, you know, a little bit broader than the pandemic and we should then kind of focus in, but you know, the world was already moving in into the home in a new way. And what I mean by that is, you know, Amazon is delivering all of your, you know, essentials to your door now. You've got the cost of a TV has gone down so drastically that it's in much more people's homes. Uh, live streaming has made access uh, pretty prevalent everywhere. So you're almost... You've got uh, food delivery coming to your door with Postmates and various different food delivery services. So what was already happening prior to COVID was there was a move towards home that was enabled by uh, 
advances in technology. So that was already happening. And that was very core to the thesis around Lumia in the early days. And then what COVID did certainly is it expedited that. So suddenly, you know, and it really was this interesting, like this massive shift in how we operated aided by the new technology that had recently developed. So suddenly you could get things delivered to you and you were doing it all the time. And that was, of course, you know, that was accelerated. And I think the biggest piece I would say that COVID did too was it brought work uh, into the home sphere in a way that probably wouldn't have happened for another 10 years, you know, just massive overnight acceleration. And so it, it was, it, on one hand, it was great in that I think demand went up considerably. So if you look at what happened in 2020, but, it, but I, I caveat it because it was, you know, it's important to know it was the most up and down roller coaster ever in March when it first hit our revenue went into a third. I had to reduce my workforce. I had to close all of our stores. We were thinking we, I cut a bunch of our orders. I figured we were in a survival mode. And, and then, you know, and part of that, by the way, was not just because it was being, not just because we moved inside, but because we were hearing things like unemployment is going to hit 30%, which is more than the Great Depression. You know, you're just looking at these moments going, what does that even mean? So we tried to get out of our, our buys as fast as we could. We tried to shut our stores. We tried to lower our costs because we started to think we are preparing for this great unknown and we have no idea how it'll affect us or our customers or how long it's going to last. And so that was really what happened immediately. And then as we went home and we all realized we were going to be home longer. So really as like sort of mid-April rolled around, we started to realize, oh my goodness, we're going to be here a while and demand is really increasing. And so then, you know, it's like whiplash. We're calling up our factories, trying to get back into product, but our factories are also all being hit with COVID. So it's like, it's a wild ride of, you know, up and down demand and then, and factory, you know, managing back to what I told you before is managing your operations and your uh, manufacturing pipeline. So it was a wild ride. And I mean, we did see a huge increase in demand. And then we also saw, you know, every company tried to reposition themselves as a loungewear company um, because they were all trying to stay alive. So it was just, this, it was a wild, and, and then, by the way, it's continued to be a wild world. We were digital. We thought, oh, how great. We're a digital company. We had to shut a couple of our stores, but it could have been worse, uh, you know, and then Come 2021, you had an iOS update, which basically impacted people who were largely digital. And so here we thought, oh, we're so lucky, we're so heavy in digital, and then the world shifts again. So the last few years, I'll just say, have been, you know, definitely a sentiment of moving back into the home, which has really benefited our brand. But just in general, you know, such a, a shifting, shifting mentality, shifting distribution, you know customer acquisition, it's been it's been up and down and wild the whole past few years. So with with it being more wild than what you probably weren't expecting, how do you um as a founder, mom, I'm assuming you're a mom. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because you said you were pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Like how did you bounce back from that? How did you figure out how to navigate that with all the all the things you have going on? It was, it was brutal. I have to say it was brutal because, you know, I actually was running Lunia through that period, but I also ended up running outdoor voices through that period as well. So 
I ended up actually running two companies when everybody went in. It was, I remember looking at my husband and saying, this has to be a moment in time. I can't, I won't be able to continue at this pace. I was, I was hitting walls in a way that uh, I had never before, really pushing myself to the extreme. I remember I had, OV was on central time and, and Lunia was on Pacific Standard. So, you know, I'd get up and start calls at 6 a.m. and just go down to 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard. It was just crazy. Um, but I think that, you know, you just, you keep putting one foot in the front in front of the other. It's It's been the same narrative since the day I started, which is, if you look too far ahead, the wall seems insurmountable. You will never climb it. So you don't, you know, you put on your blinders and you go today, this is what I'm going to do, you know, and I focus on getting through today and then tomorrow and then the next day. And then, and then over time, you know, you are out onto the other side and there just wasn't time to, to really sit in that too long and, and freak out about it. I think I had to just keep moving forward and then building a plan for something that was more sustainable. And so that's, that's ultimately what I did. But, you know, it was a time, they say a leader's job is to keep hope alive. I had a lot of teams depending on me to keep them optimistic, to keep them believing, to keep them moving forward when the world was going insane around them. So they just didn't, you didn't have the opportunity to, to break down and freak out. You know, I just, I knew what was needed from me and that's what I focused on. And so when things got calmer, as things have stabilized a little bit, I looked back and went, oh my God, how did I make that? How did I survive through that? I almost like, I feel proud of myself for getting through that. But when I was in it, I just, I just remembered like, you know, it was, it was like a roller coaster you couldn't get off. It was like the most nightmarish roller coaster. Wasn't and then you get off and you're like, oh my God, I survived that. If I can survive, I used to say if a woman can survive childbirth or yeah. let me underline it with like, like if she can survive childbirth, she can survive anything. And I feel like after the COVID ride, it's, it's another, it's, we get another Cub Scouts badge. It was, I mean, and my kids were at home. Everyone was learning from home. They were at our house. Like just, I mean, it was like, what I almost, you know, you look up at the sky and you go, what else are you going to throw at me? You have anything new today? How many more, how much more can I take? Like, I don't know. I Let's know. see. Let's just game on. You know, you just feel like you're running on adrenaline. And that's, I mean, that's honestly what it felt. I just was, it was very survival, but I am stronger for it. I do feel like, um, my company, both companies are stronger for it. We got through some amazing, you know, we got through crazy stuff. And so, oh, I'm just hoping, you know, I would, I would love some stability. Can, can we get a couple years here of just, just stability, you know, all the things I took for granted in 2019. Could I get a 2019 back? <laughs> just Seriously. Well, I guess I heard through the grapevine that the pandemic's now over, according to Biden. So I guess if we listen to him, maybe we'll get some stability. Yeah, exactly. Well, we need the economy to get, we, we'd like to see some economic stability too. That would be helpful. Stagflation's not the best. I'm sure, you know, we're in retail, so we, we're feeling it. Oh my gosh, totally. So what's next for you? What's next for the brand? Um, what's cooking? So, uh, for me, I've just gone through a really exciting uh, transition at Lunia, actually. We brought on a CEO, which, candidly, I have been 
you know, casually shopping for a CEO for almost two years. Uh, but I did finally find somebody who felt like a good fit. Um, her name's Blair Lawson, and she started about four months ago. And what is awesome about that for me personally and for the company is we have this idea, Ikigai, which, which we uh, talk about as an internal value actually at Lumia. And it's this idea of finding joy in what you do. And you find joy because you know, it's this intersection of things. The Ikigai is the center. Um, and the, the aspects are you're doing something that you're good at. You're doing something that the world needs. You're doing something that uh, you can get paid for. And you're doing something that, um, I'm trying to remember the fourth one, something, there's, there's something similar in that. It, there's, a, there's a fourth one. I just can't remember it. But I feel like with Lunia, I am finally work operating in my in my ikigai you know as a company scales a lot of people that start businesses they're you have to be very creative unrelenting it's a bit you, you know and a lot of you're a, a crazy focus on brand and customer and product and these aspects as a company scales you also need just as much focus on operations and org and scale and pnl and you know all this kind of stuff i'm that's less of my sweet spot. And I have done it for 10 years. And so I finally let myself graduate to a position that's actually closer to where my magic sauce is. And it's been phenomenal. It's, I'm reinvigorated with the work that I'm doing. I'm just, I find myself working not because I'm stressed and adrenaline filled and sleepless at night, but because I am passionate and engaged and inspired, like just it's magic. So I will say that's something that's for me been amazing and for the company, I think will be amazing. For the company, what I'm very excited about is we are getting bigger into rest. We have always, you know, we sell rest wear. So we definitely sell clothes that is great for sleep, great for that chill time of day, you know, that honestly cultivating a restful mindset. But now what we're doing is we're going to broaden to talk about rest. We just think this is like, this is bigger than just the clothes. This is, this is like what the world needs. You've got it. people talking about quiet quitting, feeling so overwhelmed, you know, mental space and physical, just, just, you know, depletion across the board. We feel like this is the antidote. You know, we feel like rest is the cure for a lot of what's going on. Now I'll tell you, like, I've always been really into working out. I work out like six days a week, but if I don't, rest well. I, I look at it like a food pyramid and I call that bottom layer rest. Like the working out and the eating well, those layer on top of rest, you know? And so to us, it's going, wow, how can we help be a bigger advocate for the importance of this category? And so we have some new things coming out by way of sort of a very exciting content destination, as well as um, a shop that features other things beyond restware that is going to help, um, you know, kind of aid in all elements of that rest process. So I am super excited. And this stuff, you know, we're expanding our bedrooms too. So there's more, our, our stores are bedrooms. They're inspired by bedrooms. So you go in and hopefully again, there's, they're, they're more than just a place to shop, but a place to be restful and to get inspired about your own bedroom at home. And so we're just trying to dive into this space to create more than just a product, but maybe even a, a cultural movement. I love hearing that. 
uh, I've always, you know, I've watched my brother as my former co-founder knock at rest, right? Work mm-hmm. himself to the bone. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to die because of this career. I'm going to bed and I'm getting eight hours of sleep. And yes. just our health, just the difference in our health has been night and day, you know? Isn't and I'm that like, amazing? Dude, if you would have fucking slept. Yes. You know, like, I don't think you'd have, you know, certain things happen. And so I can't, I'm so excited to hear that that's what's on the docket for you. I think it's the, it's funny. It's like people think of it as being lazy or whatnot. It's the opposite. Like to me, a well-rested version of myself is ready to go attack the day. You know, it's, it's resting so that you can be the best version of yourself, right? It's, you know, we used to, we brag about how little we sleep and how much work we do. I'm like, well, the work I do when I'm rested is far better than the work I do when I'm tired. Oh, a hundred percent. You can't function when you're tired. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, every, every parent everywhere is like, yes, <laughs> I have been, I have been pushed. <laughs> we we to know that. that. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, so last two questions for you. What would we be surprised to know about you? Any quirks, habits, things that people would be like, I wouldn't have thought that. I'm, I'm, I feel like, I'm trying to think of how to say this succinctly. I, I feel like I have always been thirsty to live more than one life. It feels like such a bummer to me that I get one existence. And so I have tried to wrap as many lives into one as possible. I'm a person of, I, I so when I was in, um, High school, I was a really competitive equestrian. And and by competitive, I mean I was on the junior Olympic team, I was in the young rider team, I flew all the world competing. And there was a crossroads that happened when I decided to go to college. And I said, you know, either I'm gonna be a, you know, try to be in the Olympics and be a trainer and the, the horses are gonna be my life, or I'm gonna go to college and pursue a new path. And I chose that. And I sold my horses and I haven't been on a horse since. I I sort of closed that chapter and went on to a new one. And I feel like I had 10 years of this crazy business forward chapter where it was just everything for business. And I'm kind of building this new chapter now, which I feel like is all about creativity. And I think that's where like my new role at Lunia fits into it perfectly. But I'm loving, I have this other company called The Deep, uh, which is all about philosophical questioning. Um, And it's really, again, supposed to be sort of an antidote to what's happening in the broader societal picture where we're getting polarized and extreme and unwilling or unable to communicate with people with different perspectives and kind of trying to bring curiosity back into conversation. And and so I'm really enjoying uh, tapping into creativity, both in the literary form, through the deep, um, through arts, I've started woodworking and ceramics and sketching. And so I would say, you know, I feel that there's a new chapter approaching and, uh, and I'm loving it. And, and that's what I would say. I feel like it hits. It's like you turned 40, at least me. And I was like, okay, there's more to than this than marriage, kids and working. And, you know, I, I have fantasies of the things I'm going to pursue. And I think it's important, right? Whether it's, it's not a source of income or anything. It's just right. because you love it. Yeah, I think maybe it's something with our own mortality, right? We start to realize you spend everything under 40 kind of thinking about future orientation. Oh, you know, I'm going to yeah. make a lot of money. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And then, you know, kind of right around 40, you realize like 
I'm kind of in my second half. <laughs> you, know? it's like, you can't de- defer for the future anymore. I need to live now. Right. And so, right. yeah, what is what does living look like? And how am I going to show that up? And also I think about that as it relates to the model I set for my kids and for, you know, kind of those around me. It's like carpe diem it. hundred <laughs> percent. You know? Totally. Yeah. So my last question is, what is one piece of advice you'd love to pass on? Either you learned the hard way or someone gave to you that was useful. I think you build a life the same way that you build a company. You should start with a very clear vision of what you want. And it doesn't mean it can never change. But I think you should bring that same kind of intentionality. You know, people talk about um, manifesting in their life. And I think it's very real. I think that people with a vision, they do it unconsciously. You, you tend to orient your whole life towards a vision. So I would say that I recommend to people to really spend some time to build a vision for themselves. And it's holistic. It's not just about a title. It's like when you close your eyes, what does it look like? And then work backwards in how to get there. I love that. I always, I always feel like I approach a similar philosophy. Like, what do you want to have? What do you have to do to have that? What do you have to be to do that versus I just want to have money. I just want to have fame. I love that. So where can people connect with you, find you, buy you, all the things? Lunia is, you know, we're lunia.co online. And then on Instagram, it's Lunia as the handle. And then to follow me, it'd be Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, double underscore Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing all that in a succinct (laughs) uh, way. Um, But it was great to have you and great to connect. And um, hopefully you will transform me from looking like a schlub to uh, a really stylish loungewear lady. I would be so honored. Um, And thank you again so much for having me. Thanks again. Bye-bye. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.